Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. So today we're in our second to the last uh, of our series on the Follow the Goose, uh, the Holy Spirit series, and today my wife is going to carry the bulk of the load, so welcome Wendy. <laughs> Hello. Woo. Okay. Hi. Good morning. Well, it's good to see you guys. Well, I get to talk um, about the Holy Spirit. You know, we've been doing this follow the goose, which is based on that Celtic symbol of the Holy Spirit, that the wild goose sort of conjures up a, a feeling of being untamed or mysterious, or you're never quite sure what the goose might do, that wild one. Um, and so it's about that Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit invites us on an adventure to be with him. So this message specifically is titled Goosebumps because it's a follow-up to the panel discussion that we had on words of wisdom and prophecy and discerning in spirits. And so it's a follow-up on another area how God may want to communicate with us. So I was hesitant to share on this topic because in my experience, whenever I've talked about it, um, I get about at least two-thirds of the people go like, well, this is a little bit flaky or they sort of check out. So... Um, but I think, and I believe that if script, if we want to be led by scripture, it leads us to talk about this and to be curious. Um, and that's been our whole focus with the Holy Spirit. We are asking and we want to be more curious. What is the Holy Spirit up to? We want to engage. How does the Holy Spirit want us to personally engage with him? And I loved what Bill Perkins said last week, you know, about having that attitude of expectation. What is God up to? So in review, Acts 1 talks about, I mean, it's Jesus ascends to heaven and the Holy and the disciples are to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Acts 2 describes the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. All the disciples were there and they were, um, they were waiting and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And a large crowd gathered around them and Peter began to describe what was happening. He quoted from the prophet Joel who had prophesied this a moment set over 700 years earlier so here we have in acts 2 it says and in the last days god says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams even on my servants both men and women i will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy this acts passage is central component of what the holy spirit brings it gives us a primary, primary description of the long-anticipated event of what the Holy Spirit wants to do to his disciples and to all of us. And so this whole thing with prophecy, dreams, and visions, it's not a peripheral thing of what the Holy Spirit does for just those weird few people. It's to be on all, all of us um, in some way. So because we've talked about prophecy before, today we're going to focus our core question on what do we want to do with this scripture that tells us that one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do is to give us dreams. So what do you guys think about dreams? Do you, are dreams just dreams? Um, are they a result of your busy day or the pizza you ate last night? Um, do you think dreams could help you in understanding yourself and understanding God? Do you think a little bit of both? You know, what do you do with dreams? I want to tell you a little bit about my journey with dreams. I was raised in church and where I never heard anyone ever talk about dreams. I mean, we read about the Bible where there were a few people, there were people that had dreams in them and that were credible, but that was only for people in the Bible and it wasn't for us today. But then I found myself in um, going to college in my career and studying for the past 30 years psychology. And I've taught general psych for the last 20 years. 
Um, but even though psychology talks about dreams, I was pretty hesitant to buy into it. You know, uh, it does pull on my introspective side, that whole idea of dreams and interpretation, but it always felt pretty incomplete to me. Um, you know, Freud and Jung and other humanistic um, theories, they base the whole concept that you can understand your dreams based upon yourself, like your answers come from within. And there are some times where there's some correct interpretations or people connect to their dream some way, but they did not give an outlet that there could be an outside source, something outside of themselves like God that could give dreams and could give an understanding and an, an interpretation of those dreams. So I didn't do a whole lot with it. But in psychology, we also teach about sleep. And this has never been one of my favorite topics because I've, I've personally never valued sleep. I'm, I like to do things and having to take time for sleep was just an irritating thing in my schedule. And, um, so I, you know, was, but what we know about, um, it was, I just had to study more about the biology of sleep and what its purpose was for. And it was helpful. And when you study sleep, you have to study dreams as part of it. So here are some interesting facts I think about, about sleep. Most people, are supposed to sleep eight hours a day. I think our culture doesn't value sleep either, so most of us may not get eight hours. But basically, we spend about a third of our lives sleeping, which means that if you are 30 years old, you've spent 10 years of your life sleeping. If you're, when you hit 75, you have spent 25 years sleeping. That feels like a waste of time to me. But, um, you know, so I think we need to all have incredibly good beds because that's a lot of time we spend. So... We have that. So then we, how do we study dreams? We do it by looking at our brain waves. I have a slide of somebody who's getting an EEG, and then they're going to study what kind of brain activity happens when they're sleeping. Now, this looks like me and my high school friends used to give me permanents. Remember those days? Pretty ugly. Okay, so what we know is that when we sleep, um, there's there are two... We see that there's... The next slide, there's a couple... We can see how when we're awake, what our brain waves are like. And then we can see how in the first four stages, they, they get increasing slower frequency. We're going into a deeper form of sleep. And then we hit that, that last stage called REM, which is rapid eye movement stage. That's the stage that we dream. And it's very curious to me, look how similar that stage is with the awake stage. It's pretty similar. So the next slide. This is where our typical night sleep is. We go awake and we go down to all the stages of sleep and we come back up and then we have an REM. And then we do those other stages and we do REM. So we go through cycles about four to five times a night. It's also interesting to me, if you have not had a lot of sleep, been sleep deprived, in order for you to recover, you are going to have more of that REM in which we know that that's when the dreaming usually occurs um, it's because we can see an increased eye movement. There's an increased respiratory rate, increased heart rate. Things are happening in that REM that are very curious biologically. So in order for you to recover from having like insomnia and so forth, that REM really increases. Um, another thing I think that is interesting about dreams is that you, um, you, why do we not remember our dreams? It's because in our dreams, they go to our short-term memory. We memorize things in stages. And we have a short-term memory, and it lasts about 18 seconds. So unless we review something or rehearse it, it's not going to go to our long-term memory. And so that's why you can have all these dreams at night, but you'll never remember them unless you wake up in the middle of it or you write it down and talk about it. 
Um, and also, I just find it incredibly curious when you're dreaming, the reason why you don't start acting out your dreams and running and kicking and I don't know, whatever you guys are doing in your dreams, is because there's a brainstem neurons um, affect our voluntary muscle groups. And so in, those, in that, just those REM times only, our body is somewhat paralyzed. Isn't that just weird? So anyway, this, uh, I know you guys might feel like you're in a psychology class, but that kind of study of the body just makes me think, gosh, is there something that God might be doing because he created this intricate sequence cycle of sleep that includes dreams? And here he has us. We are not having any barriers toward him. We're in an altered state of consciousness. Could there be something about this time that he could use to connect with us? Because, you know, we're more, we could be more, a little bit more vulnerable. Our brain is working in a different way. So anyway, so he created that. It's very interesting to me. So in the midst of that um, exploration, one of my closest friends and my person that I've prayed with for every week for the past 14 years, um, she said, I'm going to start pursuing uh, the understanding of dreams from a biblical perspective. And I said, well, good for you. I think that's great. And I didn't really, I wasn't that interested in myself, but boy, this journey that she has gone with and because we pray together weekly, it has changed my life. And so I want to tell you a little bit more about that experience of um, learning more about dreams. So it starts with the Bible. So what does the Bible really say about dreams? Throughout the Bible, we see that dreams were one of the most common ways that God communicated to his people. Dreams were critical for Jesus's parents. Like in Matthew 1:20, Joseph was told in a dream that he should continue to wed Mary, even though that she was unexpectedly pregnant and he was not the father. So Joseph made a life-changing decision based on a dream. And then we see in yet another dream, God spoke literally to Joseph about him having to quickly leave Bethlehem in order to protect Jesus from King Herod from killing him. Um, We can see that dreams were highly valued in the Old Testament. We have another Joseph in the Bible. And do you remember he, when Joseph shared his issues, his dream with his brother, they didn't really like the content of the dream or maybe how Joseph shared it, but they valued that dream. And we see that even though Joseph had a rocky start in sharing his dreams, we see later that God gave him a gift of interpreting dreams, even to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And that with that information, God was able to give direction and hope, not only to Egypt, but to other countries. Um, We see biblically, a biblical leader, a political scholar, um, such as Daniel, He was able to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which led to that king knowing how to lead his people. Dreams were also given to non-Jewish people, like Abimelech. He was a king. He took Sarah, which was Abraham's wife, but he didn't know that she was his wife. He took him to be his wife. And that night, the king had a dream. And then I just love what it said. In Genesis 22, it says, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. I love the fact that God showed up in a dream, protected Sarah when Abraham didn't. You know, I just love it. And so then what was Abimelech's response? He's like, the next morning he woke up, he was he gave Sarah back, and he says, I will do whatever it takes to be in right relationship with you, you know, and blessed him. Um, we see Pilate's wife. We don't know whether she was a follower of Jesus, but what we do see is that she had a dream. And she said to Pilate, don't mess with him. He is an innocent man. And Pilate listened to her. It did show that they revered dreams in that culture. There are so many more examples that we could go to but today, but we don't have time. But from Genesis to Revelation, there was a, we see that there was a cultural understanding that people would have dreams and that they should pay attention to them 
And we see that God gave dreams and God gave interpretations to dreams. And he also equipped people like Joseph to give interpretations of those dreams. So the next question I have, okay, so well, that was in the Bible. What does church history show us? There are many important people in our church history that were impacted by dreams. Polycarp, he was a disciple of John and became a, and was ordained a bishop. He dreamed that he was going to be martyred in Rome, and he was. Justin Martyr, he was a powerful apologist for his time, and he stated that he was guided by dreams. We have St. Augustine. He was a Christian theologian, and his writings are still influential today on Western Christianity and philosophy. So he referenced dreams that they were important ways that God communicated with humanity. We have St. Jerome. He translated the Bible into Latin, and he was converted to Christ through a dream he had. I love it. So we reveal that, I mean, that reveals church history. What do we see in modern history about dreams? We see that dreams have played a significant role in the scientific, secular, and political areas. We have Elias Howe. Through a dream, he created the sewing machine. Einstein had a dream. It helped him with the theory of relativity. Otto Louis had a, he won the Nobel Prize in medicine because of a, of a understanding that he got on a chemical transmission that was from a dream. Frederick Kekek, I can't say his name, Fred, Friedrich Kekul. Anyway, I was studying about him. He had this dream where there were six snakes and they were chasing each other, trying to bite each other's tra- tail. And he was able to come up with the whole benzene ring, which is, um, have they, because of that, They've been able to have all sorts of inventions from the derivatives of benzene for both industrial and and medical uses from a dream. And we know music handles Messiah. Well, I think that's just amazing. So that's no brainer. That's from God. Um, Paintings. Oh, oh, also, but people who like the Beatles, Paul McCartney, I guess he got yesterday from a dream. But anyway. Oh, Tiana likes. Yeah, I knew that. Okay, so paintings. We got Salvador Dali and William Blake through dreams. Films, Igmar Bergman and Federico Fellini. And politically, Abraham Lincoln, in his first term of presidency, he uh, had a dream that he was going to be killed in his second term. And he also had dreams that would happen recurring before important historical events. I mean, I would have loved for Abraham Lincoln to know that there were Christian people that were supporting him and praying with him over his dreams and how he should lead. So we see that ancient history, church history, modern history, they all take an interest in dreams. So What do we, as the church now, want to do with dreams? And do we have a tendency to diminish the scripture that it talks about in Acts 2 that says that the Holy Spirit wants to give us dreams? Um, Where am I in my journey with dreams right now? um, I got interested in dreams, but I stay invested in dreams because I see incredible value from them. I see how dreams can cut through barriers and help us to see things that God wants us to see. I think dreams help us to see more of the mystery of who God is. I love the fact that it can deepen my understanding of Scripture. Like, for example, the, um, the disciple Peter, he had a trance, which is like an awake kind of dream. In Acts 10, he saw a whole sheet coming down to earth of animals and reptiles and sheep. And from that um, dream-like trance, he, it changed his whole entire theology. He finally realized from that that the message that Jesus was talking about, it was for not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles. He understood scripture more clearly through the, through a dream. 
Now, some dreams are easy to interpret and others require a whole lot more investment, um, but they can initiate a hunger that we have, a desire to want to know God more. Um, now, do I think that all dreams are for God, are from God? Well, no, no, definitely not. You know, I think, um, I want you to show a clip. This is a, from a favorite comedian from our family that talks about, uh, this guy is talking about a dream that his wife had about him. Oh, has anybody done that? I mean, I, I, oh, poor Ross. I will have a dream and it feels so strong and I get so mad in my dreams. It takes me like days sometimes to thaw. It feels like, anyway. I'm like, okay, you didn't really do that. I know it. I know it. Um, so anyway, but I do believe that dreams can be a way of just processing the stuff that we have. It can be like, you know, a download of all the stuff that we've had through the day and processing it. It can consolidate our learning. We know that it's good for that. Um, it makes me more thoughtful about what I put in because garbage in, garbage out. You're going to dream some stuff. I also believe that we can have soul dreams. Those are dreams that are primarily influenced by our own wants and wishes. Because if you think about something over time, you will start dreaming about it. And I think it was like the, the um, what Jason Upton shared. He talked about a man who either had a dream or a vision of some kind where he was supposed to leave his wife and kids and go and then minister on the beach. I mean, that kind of abandonment is not scriptural at all. But it could have been a way where he was, his wants, his wishes got twisted and that he started to dream and think that it was from God. Or it could be a way that the enemy was trying to plant seeds of dissatisfaction in his marriage. So not all dreams are from God. So, and we always have to look to the Bible because the Bible trumps everything. But I think that even if we do have like a self-conditioned dream, like if I do have a dream where, you know, Ross is playing poker and, um, and you know, he's not there to rescue me and he doesn't, um, I could take that dream and sort of sit there, is there something in me, God, that you're wanting to touch? Is there a place where I'm feeling disregarded by Ross? Is there something there? Or do I have some insecurities? With, with those self-conditioned dreams, we can still ask God. Or it just really may be the pizza. That might be all there is. So... Um, so, but some dreams are from our souls. What kind of dreams could be from God? Um, I want to give a few examples. Um, when our oldest son, when he was about in the fifth grade, he saw himself in a dream and he was walking up a flight of stairs and he was after his friends and he was walking up behind them and he was holding onto the railing and that railing then came around and became a snake and it bit him. And so when he shared that dream the next day, I mean, it did not take anybody to have to interpret that dream. He knew it exactly what it meant. He knew that he had to be careful who he followed because it could have some pretty negative consequences for him. Him having a dream made that so much more powerful than me having said, now, Derek, I really want you to be careful about what you, who you hang with and all of that. God made himself real to Derek in that. That's what I would call a warning dream. Ooh, and Barb is going to come up and she is going to share about how um, she experienced an intercessory dream. Now, Barb and Walt are, I mean, Walt is an elder and they have been an incredibly stabilizing forces of prayer in our church. So I'm going to go ahead and share, Barb. heard about Josh, our grandson. He's a member here at Quest and uh, he, we've asked for prayer a number of times for him. Uh, he graduated about four years ago from high school. And after he graduated, he joined the Army. After almost a year in training, he was sent to Afghanistan. That's when we started asking for prayers from our congregation here. Uh, when he left, 
Uh, his parents bought a sign that they put in their front yard in front of the porch. And it read, a soldier, oh, wait a minute, the home of a soldier. And one night as I was sleeping, I started dreaming about this sign. And to me, it wasn't good enough. It needed a flag on it. So in my dream, I purchased a flag, just a small one. And I went to their house and I walked up to the sign and on the right corner, I taped this flag. I stepped back to see how it looked. When I stepped back, I looked up and, well, wait a minute, there's a, something on the left corner. And I went up and it was a black ribbon draped over the left corner. I picked it up and threw it down, backed up to look at the flag again. Wait a minute. For the second time, there's the black ribbon. So I reach out and I take it and throw it down and I step back. There's the flag and whoop, there's that black ribbon again. Third time, I walk up, I take it, I wad it up and I throw it down and back up and there, oh glory, flying in the wind was beautiful. And then I woke up. And at this point, I realized God was telling me to pray for Josh, for his safety, which I did. And then the next day, late in the afternoon, we received a call from my daughter. And she had was telling us that she had received a call, a call from the army. Josh had been severely injured. And was taken to a hospital in Germany. So, again, Walt and I then prayed for Josh and for his continued safety and well-being at, at that point. But we learned that he was on duty and he was guarding a group of soldiers who were searching for something. And there was uh, Josh and two other soldiers. And they were guarding these other soldiers. And a young boy comes in on a motorcycle. And they stopped him and told him he'd have to turn around and go back. He was not allowed in this area. And at that point, he blew up. It was a suicide bomber. The three soldiers that were guarding there, including Josh, was blown off their feet. And as the medics came out and took care of them and everything, that's when... He was severely hurt. All three of them were. And he had to fight for his life. And they managed to save his life and his leg, which was badly harmed. So in the next year, he underwent nine surgeries. A lot of it due to shrapnel that kept coming up and other complications. But at one point, uh, Kelly had the opportunity, that was my daughter, to read his medical records. And upon doing so, she discovered that when he was on the battlefield and the medics were caring for him, they had to resuscitate him, not once, not twice, but three times. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the reason that black ribbon was over that mm -hmm. sign. And I thank God that he woke me and we prayed for him that he would be safe.
That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. So, so dreams can be like the parables that Jesus shared. Um, he, God loves to communicate in pictures and images. And like with Barb and with my son Derek, but you can see how those pictures of the ribbons of what they represented, black and death, and how um, she knew how to pray, just to pray protection over them. Um, I love the fact to, to pull into allegories. Jesus said that those um, to his disciples, that those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. And he would take those parables like the seed and the sower and the wheat, wheat and the tares. And he would try to unwrap those metaphors for them. And that's a lot what can, dreams can be like. Um, understanding our dreams can be a process. Um, Ross also shares, he has a lot of dreams more that are not as intercessory as oriented as Barb, but more on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Most, of the, most of the dreams I have are really vision-oriented, purpose-oriented, or God gives me dreams about major decisions coming up or transition-type things. And uh, how, do I know, how do I know those dreams are from God? Uh, all I can tell you is that uh, there's a vivid difference uh, there's just this sense of God's presence when I wake up from him. There's, you just know. So uh, I don't worry about whether a dream's from God or not. It's usually really, really clear to me uh, the more I get used to it. But in the past, I've shared, you, uh, shared a dream with you on a couple occasions. Uh, I just want to remind you of it today. Uh, one of the, actually, one of the major dreams that brought us to Quest, it was this dream of a strip mine and God wanting to bring color to people's lives and masses of people coming to Quest. And that that dream uh, has shaped our lives, shapes our church's life, and still directs our fulfillment of purpose as a, as a church. But today I want to share uh, briefly two other dreams. It was June 30th, uh, 2007. God gave me a dream, and I'm just going to give you just a real brief version of it. In that dream, I was in this great hall, and there were two parties in the hall. There was one party that owned the hall and another party coming in, and they represented, in the dream, they were like two different groups, but I knew for whatever reason, for whatever reason in the dream, I knew that they were one. And it was an interesting dream because I, I was, I knew in the dream that I was respected as a leader by both of them, but I was not the leader of either of them. I knew that my role was that of a butler and an usher. And uh, that came at an amazing time in my own journey uh, of defining my purpose in that role. But the dream went on. They had a little bit of conflict, and then one of the groups left, and I helped usher them out. And I found myself at the very end of that dream standing all alone, feeling disconnected. And I remember then looking across in the distance, seeing this beautiful garden that was surrounded by kind of this bend in a river, and, and something caught my eye. There were two shapes of flowers in this beautiful garden, and I, as I looked closer, the outside shape was, was kind of dying and going away, but still beautiful, and the inside was just new, vibrant growth, and both of them were actually in the symbol of the organization that I was working with. They were actually the symbol of the logo. And I walked away from that dream that day for the first time, having the sense that God was defining my long-term purpose. My long-term purpose in that place was to usher ideas and people together, but I, at least as far as I know for the future, I have no long-term leadership role in that place. It's just I'm a connector. And the other part of it was that God was, uh, for the, one of the very first times, communicating to me the sense of that feeling. You pay attention to feelings and dreams. That sense of feeling disconnected was one of the first times I felt like God was 
was saying, I'm going to take you out of this organization, but hey, you've invested 15 years of your life here, and there's still this beautiful fruit, and there's this beautiful flowers and life that's going to re- remain here. And that, that dream really meant a lot. Uh, there was another shorter dream that I had in 2006, in May of 2006. I, it was just a dream where I, I felt like God came to me in a dream and gave me one word and four numbers. It was transition 0609. Well, uh, I thought that meant we were going to be transitioning out of my current job out there in September of that year, 2006, you know, the ninth month of 2006. And so I started looking and preparing for that and told Wendy we're moving, and it didn't happen. And then I just shelved the dream. And I'm not that confident all the time of how to interpret numbers and dates in dreams that I get. But uh, long story short, my very first day of official employment here at Quest was June 1st of 2009, 0609, and it was an amazing gift from God for him to communicate that in a dream over three years earlier. God is amazing. Mm. Um, I want to share an example of how God gave me a correction dream just this last, early this spring. I dreamt that I was in a hospital and I was going to have an abortion. I was pregnant, and all of my friends, even Ross, all agreed, uh, because of my age, and I just don't have a lot of time, it wouldn't be good for me to have another child. So I agreed, no big deal, go get this abortion. And so after the, the procedure, I went, I was ready to leave, and a female doctor came up to me and said, would you like to have some prayer before you leave? And I said, well, sure. And as we prayed, I started to come in grips of what I had done, of how I had terminated this life, and was just grieving over what I had done and the loss and was in my dream I started to ask God for forgiveness and and so forth when I woke up I was still crying and I was like what do I do with this you know and so you take that metaphor and I quickly said God what what have you tried to give to me what kind of life have you tried to give to me that I've terminated that I've ignored or cut off and Quickly back to my remembrance, about two years previous, I'd been a part of a small group. And in that time, God had highlighted a certain area of my life that he wanted to touch, a place where he wanted to have flourish and to grow. And I thought at the time, well, that's really sweet, God. That's a nice gesture. I appreciate the invitation, and I just think you're really kind. Um, but I thought of it as optional, and it was optional. I just put it on the back burner. But when I had this dream, it just, like, hit past those barriers, and I felt what I had done by choosing to say, okay, God, I I don't really want to pursue that right now. I now am seriously engaged in wanting to make that connection and letting that area that God wants to touch, touch flourish. But that's the power of a dream. It can push past barriers that we didn't know we had. And um, so I I greatly appreciate that. Um, So those are a few examples In my psychology classes that I teach, I always invite my students to say, hey, if you have a recurring dream or a dream that's really puzzling to you, why don't you send it to me? Um, I would love to be able to have a stab at trying to interpret it, and I ask them to give me permission to talk to my friends because she, my friend who does all that dream interpretation, um, I ask her to help help with that. And so I had one student, he gave me um, an example. And I love it when my students do this because whether they're Christian or not Christian, you can see God working in their dreams. And so this one student said, um, well, I just keep having this dream ever since I was a young kid. I'm driving a motorcycle and I drive and drive and then I crash and I crash, I drive, I crash, I drive. So um, what is the metaphor? What's the analogy right there? Well, the student, he's the driver and he's on a motorcycle. 
A motorcycle is a form of transportation. So sometimes transportation can refer to us getting to a certain place, a destination. So sometimes transportation represents a destiny or a life calling or purpose. Because it was a motorcycle and not an airplane, which can hold a lot of people, a motorcycle can hand maybe one or two people, right? So it's much more personal, a personal life calling or journey. And so um, what's the difference between a bicycle and a motorcycle? A motorcycle has more power. So I, I went, after talking with my friend and praying, I gave him this interpretation. I emailed it to him and I said, your dream indicates that from a young age, because he had that dream from a young age, um, you have known that you have power and you can get to places really quickly. You excel at things easily. However, you reach a stopping point quickly and then you crash. The dream may be telling you that you can only get so far on your own strength. You cannot do this on your own because on your own, you consistently crash. You need something bigger than yourself to help you because you have some big things to do and some places to go in your life. And then I always qualify, you know, if that is off, you know, to please let me know. Um, I just want to support you. And, you know, and then he emailed me back. He goes, thank you so much. You freaked me out. <laughs> um, you know, because he acknowledged the dream that that is his issue. He crashes and burns and he it's been a life issue for him. And we then got to email about some next steps that he could take. Because of my job, I can't explicitly talk about God unless a, a student asks more questions about that. But I believe that the closer that he gets, because God, I believe, was trying to talk to him. Um, I believe that the closer he gets, he's going to get closer to God. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to try to do a dream interpretation. Okay, so there's a young college guy, and he shares with you a recurring dream that he's been having lately. In this dream, he says, I am walking down a long hallway away from bright lights, and I'm going toward a gray area, and then it becomes total darkness. Okay? So what do you think it could mean? What would that dream be? Could it be from God? Because here he is. He's on a pathway. He was near bright lights. God is light. Lights are usually good. And he's on this pathway, and it's going gray and then to total, total darkness. What do you think God might be saying to him? Well, this guy, um, he was with a group of people that wanted to interpret the dreams. And so they said, um, I believe that your dream is saying that your current direction is leading you into total darkness, but it is not too late to turn your life around. Well, this guy had been currently heavily drinking with his friends, a bit tipsy. And his response was, he sobered up pretty quick and he says, I need to go pray. I just think that's so cool. Um, so to sum up, um, you know, scripture shows us that we have a God who wants to reveal himself to us. But that can be complicated. I know that there's people say, I've never heard God, or I don't know that he speaks to me. He does love to reveal himself. But sometimes it's hard for us to know how he's revealing himself to us. I mean, like when I pray, I talk to him, and then I, I, I sort of expect God to talk to me back in the same voice that I have. Um, I would, I think I want an audible voice. I've never heard one um, specifically. But, you know, sometimes God doesn't always respond in the way that we respond to him. He might sometimes respond later. He might come to us when we're um, driving or we're outside or we're showering or somehow when there's some space in our head, he can sometimes give us a thought, maybe a picture. Um, those are all different ways. You know, our job is trying to figure out what frequency is God at and how can I connect with him? You know, sometimes when we read the scripture, a verse pops out. So how does God want to speak? And I do believe that God sometimes may want to give us a dream. 
Um, He loves to respond in a multitude of ways. So the takeaway that I'd like for you to do is, first of all, remember Pentecost. Remember the scripture that one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit was to pour out his spirit that all of us, there would be prophecy, visions, and dreams. So what do you personally want to do with the scripture? Um, I encourage you to be more curious about dreams. How may God want to use them to connect with you, to connect with your family, to your children, um, to your friends? And if you buy into that, I'd ask you to help ask the Holy Spirit to help you remember. Do you remember our short-term memory? We only have it for about 18 seconds. So, like, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have a dream and you're saying, oh, this is so great, I'm going to remember it, you probably won't unless you write it down, okay? So, you know, keep something next to your bed. Write down those thoughts. Um, see to honor God, to give you some dreams, even if they might be just a weird. Ask the Holy Spirit for interpretation. Talk to some of your buddies and your friends about it uh, to discuss. Maybe there's an interpretation that they get. Give the Holy Spirit permission to communicate to you in a multitude of ways. So we're going to have a time of worship. One more song, and then we would love to pray with you, and and Ross will give you a little bit more direction. But I just want to pray a blessing over you, okay, as we close. Um, God, I am just so, I'm just so grateful that you desire a relationship with us. I love, I love that you gave us the Holy Spirit and that you want to pour out onto us more and more ways that we can connect with you, understand who you are and to make a difference. So father, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would touch each person here with an increased awareness of what the Holy Spirit is and who he is to each person. I pray that you would stir up gifts, of um, that you would give them dreams, that you would give them visions, that you would give them uh, different ways and to bless them um, so that we can know you better. I love that you love to pull back that curtain, that we get to see you better and better. So, Father, we pray your blessing in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have one more week left in this series. We're going to finish it off next week, and I I think it's going to be a message and a time together that you're going to want to be here for. Uh, It's also going to be different than normal. We're going to have one song up front, the message, and then we're going to have a longer worship set at the end. So some of you who wander in a little bit late, you might wander in halfway through the message if you come at your normal time. So just fair warning, okay? We'd love to have you here for that. You know, that song we just sang uh, reminds me, though, as we're approaching the end of this series, of where we started. And where we started was this, that the Holy Spirit, as the Bible teaches it, that Jesus teaches us about it and Paul teaches us about it, is the central point of following him as Christians. Many of us have lived our lives having it wrong. We've followed through morality. We've followed through performance. We've followed through trying to be good enough, but he wants us to have a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. And some of you here today haven't made a decision to follow Christ yet. And the reason you haven't made a decision to follow Christ is simply this, because you haven't got all your questions answered and it hasn't made all the sense to it, all the sense that you want it to make yet. The reality is if we serve a God that's big enough, it's never going to make sense. But you've also experienced in your heart what you know is really God's presence and his love coming to you. And I want you to respond to that today and surrender your life to him in this moment and accept the central part of what it's all about. 
And we also talked in that one first message, uh, in the first two messages, that, that Romans 5 tells us that the main role of the Holy Spirit is to pour His love out in our hearts. That's what we just sang. Until you get this thing of relationship with the Holy Spirit, you won't experience that love. And I can't think of a, of a more profound way, at least in my life at times, of the way the Holy Spirit has shown that love other than through coming to me in dreams. I've lived long enough, had enough dreams. I've seen dozens of them fulfilled amazingly, profoundly, uncannily. But you know, throughout a good portion of my life and following Christ, I didn't believe in dreams. I thought they were just kind of occasional every now and then. And I didn't pay attention to them. And I think God's given a lot of you dreams, and you're just not paying attention to them like I didn't for many years. I have this uh, dream direction journal now. Everything I get in a dream goes in that dream direction journal if I think it's at all from God. And I want to encourage you to pay the same attention and let God show you how amazingly He thinks about you, how intricately involved He is in your life, and what His plans are you for, for you for the future and for your family members and to intercede for others, all the ways you've heard illustrated this morning. So if you're here today and you uh, want to respond to that invitation earlier to accept Christ, I want you to come talk to me or talk to a friend that knows Christ and make that decision today. If you're here and you have another need, we'd love to pray for you. If you just want more of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray for you and see what God does. So just join us here or join us in the back. Uh, Let's go this week. Invite friends to VBS and sweet dreams. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.